Hey guys, we are back for another, what would you call this, Garen? This is kind of a wrap-up of the sermon, things that Garen couldn't get to uh, on Sunday. And so just really quickly going to be with you, Jordan and Garen, and touching on a few things about the persecuted church. And and one thing that Garen mentioned on Sunday that was really meaningful, I know it hit Katie and I, we talked about it after church, was the speaker that Garen heard while he was in college, Joseph Don and he's from overseas, and, and Garen shared a little bit about him, but there was even more that he wanted to share. So to start off without wasting any time, I'm going to send it over to Garen, and he's going to going to talk about that. And we're just going to talk more about the persecuted church uh, and what we can do at TBC to identify with them and, and help them and, and really walk the kind of faith that they walk. Yep. So a couple of things that in seminary, two things happened that really— opened my eyes to—I already had a concern for the global church, but really opened my eyes to the persecuted church. And first it was hearing Joseph Tan in our chapel. And I didn't get to tell a lot of his story, but he—what was happening is he was preaching in the underground church, and then he was—somebody in his church started making copies of his sermons and cassettes, and they were copying them and distributing them around the country through a global network. And so the government was trying to intercept those to keep them from getting distributed— they were trying to find out where were they coming from, and when they found out where they were coming from, that's when they first started um, arresting him and interrogating him, and they told him to quit producing them, and he wouldn't. If they let him out, more tapes would get out, and so they ended up imprisoning him long, for long periods of time, beating him and threatening his life. I think I said it in second service, but didn't first, and he told them, he said, you know, your greatest weapon against me is my is death. And he said, my greatest weapon is my death, because if I die, I'm going to be with Jesus, and that's the best thing that could happen. So I went on that one, and he said it, they got really frustrated, and they're like, like, we can't control this guy. And so after more than a dozen years of, of trying to get control of him, they, they expelled him from the country, and they just got rid of him. And he ended up traveling in the U.S. and in Europe a lot, speaking to Western churches, to help them understand the persecuted church, that what was going, to get, help them to know the reality. Because, as I said, they used to pray when they were eating, like, imagine they were eating steaks for us, and he said, we just imagined we were eating our steaks, thinking of their bread. And when he realized that we weren't doing that, it it broke his heart. And I remember when he shared how sad he was to find out that we weren't even aware hardly, and that became his mission, was to help elevate that to the Western church. Um, one more thing about him that I appreciate is once the country opened up, he, he could have stayed here and made more money and all that. He went back to Romania and is pastoring even to this day and started a Bible school. So he, he didn't just stay in the West where it was comfortable. He went home where it was still really hard. The other thing is I had a professor right after that who every class would take the book Operation World and would read a country about it, and we would pray for it before we started class. And you can't go through Operation World and not encounter countries where persecution is happening. So it just, all of a sudden, this became a big vision to me. And it's been something on my heart ever since, and a passion that I've had. And so it's been a big deal to me. Um, But I'm really curious about you, Jordan, like how, because it's important to you, when I first met you, you've got the, you've got the, the name, right? Is that what it's called? The N? Mm -hmm. N? So you care you you were praying for believers in like Iraq and all of that. So it was on your heart. What what opened your eyes to kind of a more global church and the persecuted church? 
that's what this tattoo means. They told me it was like happiness. They they lied to me at the tattoo shop. Yeah, that is what my tattoo is. Um, so what opened my eyes to the persecuted church? Well, I went on a mission trip. I went on a lot when I was young, but the first one that really hit me was in college. I went to South America and just met the church there, and there was no persecution, but it just opened my eyes to the fact that the church is so global and that church looks so different so many places and started to read more about church around the world and started to meet more missionaries who had been around the world and just learning about the fact that the way I experience church and faith is really, I'm in the minority in the global church because so many Christians uh, are persecuted. They have to worship in hiding and, and their faith looks so different than mine. And so that first trip kind of like sparked it. And I don't know, God has just given me a great heart for the persecuted church. It's not like I, you know, am pen pals with any of them or do anything like super special all the time. I I have my tattoo and I I pray for them and I think of them often and I pray that like God would give me the great honor of suffering for him one day. And if it meant going somewhere else and doing that, that would be incredible. But um, yeah, it's just this idea that I I don't want to get sucked into thinking that the way we do things uh, where church is easy and, and we do it every week and, and we go to Applebee's after, that that's the norm because that's not what Jesus uh, told us would happen when he told us you know, that he was going and we were going to do this church thing on our own. So um, I don't know. That That's where it started, and I don't feel like I have a lot to bring to it. But I think another reason that it, it matters to me so much is when you— I mean, Jesus is all about the least of these, and and when he's thinking about his church— I just know that he's looking at the people who are in pitch black cells and are being beaten for him and are being starved and are having to hide and sing hymns quietly in their basement so they don't get caught by the police. I mean, to me, like his his eyes and his heart are so with the persecuted church. And so if mine aren't, then I'm missing it. And that story about Joseph Don was just like so, man, that broke my heart when I heard that. And Kate was listening online that day and she, and we talked about it after, but just that that if we would be a church in America that is not thinking about the persecuted church and they're just an afterthought, like we are, we are missing it. Like that's our, that's our literal family over there. And if we're not praying for them at the very least praying for them and thinking of them and supporting them in any way we can through it's whether through open door or a local missionary or whatever, like if we're not doing those things, then we're not the church. I mean, we're not a part of their family. So we just, we have to be so aware that, you know, our way is not the only way, and what happens from nine fifteen to twelve fifteen or whatever we, we go to church here on Sunday. Like that's that's not the only way to to worship God. Yeah, and I'm curious. Say a little more. How you as your awareness grew of the global church? I know you mentioned it. I want to see you say a little more. How has that just challenged your faith and the way you want to live for Jesus? Um, just your awareness of the global church. Yeah, it definitely makes me um, to just want to have a real and authentic faith, meaning that like I don't want to just read my Bible and then do the program and feel like we've 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 done it here. Like if we're not reaching lost people, whether it's in Kansas or like Iran, like it doesn't matter. If we're not if we're not thinking about reaching the lost and really doing what Jesus intended for us to do in faith, then we're totally missing it. And so my worst fear like my absolute worst fear is that I would get to heaven one day and Jesus would be like, dude, you just did like 
Mickey Mouse church. Like you weren't doing the real stuff. And it's not because you weren't beaten and it's not because you weren't like under police investigation or whatever. But like the people who are being pressed on this, they understand how important it is to get the word out and to make disciples. And like you didn't have that pressure put on you, Jordan. And so you just kind of like showed movies and did funny talks and didn't really lead anyone to the Lord. Like, and so I don't know. My, my greatest fear is that I would, I would get to heaven and, and have missed it. And so, I mean, it's easy to say from, from the protection of the USA, but man, if I could ever suffer for the gospel or if I could ever have my home taken or be beaten or like have something horrible happen, I would like to think that I would respond with like a deeper faith and a more urgency. Um, and I don't know, maybe a small part of me like wants that in a kind of a sick way, I guess. I don't know, but... I just don't want to to do anything like that's just Mickey Mouse or fake fake church, you know, because we can we can make it about ourselves and we can miss it so easily. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap up with this. I've got a question. Um, last almost a year ago, I was kind of trying to do a series on culture and how do we respond to culture and the big phrase I kept using was think globally but act locally, and I was really emphasizing the act locally part of that. And sometimes you can say something on one side too much that the other side gets left open or unsaid or unaddressed. But the other part is really important, that we do think globally, that we are aware of what's going on around us, around our nation, around the world. What are some ways we can get better, Jordan, at thinking globally as a church? Yeah, we were we were talking about what a good action point out of this is. And I think to think globally, you've just got to be aware first and foremost, which sounds so simple, but just be aware that your life is not necessarily normative to the rest of the body of Christ. And I get caught in that rut so much, and I think a lot of us do. We just think, well, this is how we do church, and this is how it's supposed to be. So just being aware of what faith looks like around the world and specific needs of believers in different parts of the world, and whether that means we give money to an organization like Open Door, or we go on a trip somewhere and experience faith in a new way, or we link up with a missionary whose boots on the ground there and pray for them and read their newsletter and stay involved in their life and maybe even give to them. Like being aware of uh, reality and not just your reality, I think, is the first step to being able to really think globally. Um, because we can imagine whatever we want about the world, but if we're not really aware of like what the needs are in different places and what's really happening, then um, we're not going to be very effective, I don't think. Yeah. No, good job. This um, You shared some good stuff. Uh, why don't you wrap this up, man? You're the guy that's good <laughs> at all this stuff. So why don't you take us out of here in the appropriate way? I think this just became the Jordan podcast, which we didn't want it to be, but it's feeding my narcissism. So yeah, uh, I mean, I guess the appropriate way to end it would just be to challenge you guys to become more aware of global faith in some way, whether that is going on YouTube and just watching a video about persecuted Christians in Iran, Iraq, North Korea, China. I mean, any country where where it's closed. Um, whether that's digging into who the missionaries at TBC are and like as a family praying for one nightly with your kids or whether it's you get that book, Operation World. I have a copy in my office. I'm looking at it right now. I'll loan it to you. And you just read about different countries and become aware of what's going on and see how God strikes your heart. Um, we just gotta take steps to think beyond ourselves because it's so easy to just see what's in front of us every single day and just do the routine and just think this is what church is. And so we would be a very God-honoring church, I think, if we 
became even more globally aware. I think we are very much so, and I think we are a very healthy church, and that's one of the things I love so much about TBC. But even more for each of us to just take the next step and really um, see what God has for us as far as thinking globally. It can be so good for us, uh, even if it's not natural. So I think that's our time. Garen is giving me the thumbs up, which means we're done. So hopefully this was useful to you. Hopefully you got it in in one kind of car ride. Um, We're going to try and do these follow-ups on the sermons whenever we can, whenever we think it'll be really helpful. And so we hope this was good for you, and we'll see you at the next one. Thanks, guys.